Good morning. Good morning. Let's pray for Pastor this morning and Ms. Karen. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful anointing on Pastor Daniel and Ms. Karen. Lord, we thank you for the destiny of going to Israel. And God, of all the anointings they're going to discover there, all the treasures they're going to come back with, all the definings, all the divinities, all the blessings, all the impartations, all the revelations, everything, God. We thank you. Bless all the people today, Jesus. They love you. They need you. They want you. Reveal yourself to them, God. Heal people. Save people. Deliver people. Baptize people in joy. Fill everybody with something, Lord, they've never had before. Change them in ways that they've needed for years and haven't realized. In Jesus' name. Bless everybody, Lord. Make them all millionaires. God bless America. Amen. Turn to somebody that I like this church. I like this church. <laughs> Maybe seated for a little bit. Go to Romans chapter 8. You can wait there for a bit. Um, and then we'll begin our ministry of the word. But how many of you in your life need encouragement every single day? Praise the Lord. Because the devil, isn't the devil always ready in the morning to preach you all his sermons? Boom. You know, every morning he's there. And you, we need something to contend with that. We need an encouragement, a source of encouragement every day. I wrote this book, Letters from God, for that purpose, which is if God wrote you a letter every day for one year, what would he say? How many of you already own letters from God? You already own it. It's, uh, you know, from the testimonies, it's a real source of encouragement to a lot of people and has saved many families already that don't even go to church. And uh, so what I'm going to do is get the ushers to get the book, Letters from God, that's on the back table. If you haven't read your birthday yet, if you would lift up your hand, the ushers are going to hand you one of these books. Look up your birthday and read your letter from God for your birthday and then pass it on to your neighbor so they can read it and just keep passing them around you know, through the service. Um, I'm, not gonna, I'm not giving you the book, so don't kind of stick it in the there and say, the Lord bless me this morning. Uh, but, but pass it on, and, and I believe that'll be. Who's visiting here for the first time? This is your first time to visit the church. Praise the Lord. And, and so it's your first time, ma'am. Can I give you? Would you read this if I gave it to you? Yes. Yes, I, I'm going to give it over here. No, my first time. Yeah. Her first time. Yeah. Okay. Great. And I'll give you this one. I'll give you this one in a second. Okay. So this one is for women. How many of you are women? Um, and how many of you ladies would be really good Christians? If there were no people. How many of you ladies would just like, man, I would be amazing if there were no other people. I could really get along with everything. It's the people. Uh, but, you know, if, if you want to be free from people forever, as a woman, untortured, untormented, then this is a book for you called Woman Defined. It deals with insecurities and deals with people, how to get over all of it. And I recommend that for you. If you just want to have some peace of mind and you've come to, come to the point in your life where you say, these people are not going to change. And I need some sort of victory, whether they change or not. Praise the Lord. And then this, this one is for men. And how many of you 
are men. All right. So it's called the journey of a man. And basically, it's how to go from being an orphan to a son to a father. That journey is for every single man. There's not one of you that's a man that doesn't have to go through that journey. But how do you, how do you stop being an orphan inside yourself? An orphan is not a person that was raised without parents necessarily, but it's a person that may have been raised with parents but never parented. It's one thing to have a father in the house, but if your dad is an alcoholic, you don't have a father. If your dad is abusive, you don't have a father. You have to be parented before you stop being an orphan. And uh, this teaches that to men. It's a big conference that we did and uh, really powerful how you become a son and then how you ultimately become a father. Every one of you men is destined to become a father, a spiritual father, a natural father, whatever it is. And that doesn't come cheap. And then this tape, the number one worship CD on planet Earth called Sea of Glass. It'll change your life forever. Praise the Lord. Okay, shake somebody's hand if you would and ask them our, our question. Please pay me what you owe me. <laughs> Let's start out on the right foot. Go to Romans chapter 8 this morning. And we want to read that. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to His purpose. Praise the Lord. All right. How many of you this morning believe that deep down inside that there's something special about you? How many of you believe that? And how many of you believe that God believes that? That God believes that you're special. Whether God believes it or whether you believe it, isn't really going to change anything. What we're interested in is how do you get from just believing a thing to becoming a thing? How do you get from believing you're amazing to actually being amazing? And that is what we want to talk about in the next three services that we have. We want to talk to you about the purpose, the process, and the destination. Because this morning, each one of you has been assigned by God a divine purpose for your existence. If you don't know what that purpose is, you're going to adopt other purposes that will turn you into someone you yourself do not recognize and maybe do not even respect. Whatever you've been through in your life, whether you've been physically abused, sexually abused, whether you've been rejected, hurt, wounded, whatever's happened in your life, no matter what it is, your past with God in your present will not destroy your future. Would you tell that to somebody? Say, it doesn't matter what you've been through. doesn't matter what people have done to you. It does not have to destroy your future. Tell them you can be okay. God can work it out. God can heal you. God can repair you. God can build where there's nothing to build with. God can do impossible things for anybody who believes and trusts in the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. 
All of you that are here have a life already. You've lived a life for a lot of years. Some of you have lived 30, some of you 20, some of you 40, some of you 50, some of you 60. You've already lived your life for quite a while. Some of you are in the middle of battles in your life. You have struggles going on. You have addictions in your life. You have sins in your life. You have condemning behavior. You have accusing behavior. You have shame-bringing behavior, guilt-bringing behavior. You have anger in your lives. You have questions. You have certain things going on in your life that torment you when you go to bed at night, that keep you up at night, that bother you when you try to go to sleep. Your mind is tortured and tormented by things that are going on or have gone on in your life. But as soon as you give your life to God, He attaches a divine purpose to your life. That purpose begins to release a set of processes to get you to your destination. If you don't learn how to go from one stage to the other, then you're going to live the wrong life and end up in the wrong misery. And so the Holy Spirit's job is to lead you to that place where you become the full person that God intended for you to be. Say this out loud. I have potential, I have potential. that is not damaged by my past. In the name of Jesus... I will become what God wants me to be. I am not trash. I am a treasure. I am not worthless. I am priceless. I am not giftless. I am supernatural. Not a dumb, stupid, ignorant failure. I am a masterpiece of the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. And my best days are still ahead of me. I have not destroyed my life. I have not ruined my life. There is mercy in God. There is grace in God. There is goodness in God. And it is still yet to come. My best life is ahead of me. Whatever age I am, no matter what age I am, my best life is ahead of me. And my best blessings are yet to come. Would you look at the person next to you? Just look at them and say, God has something to tell you. Put your hand on them and say, I'm praying for you. That you lose weight right now. Tell them, praise God. You lose weight right now, 20 pounds today. Come on, tell them, you're going to lose 20 pounds of fear, 20 pounds of worry, 20 pounds of doubt going out of here today. Acts 26, verse 16, But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear. Praise God. So the minute you get saved, God attaches a purpose to you. And that day when he attaches that purpose to you, you are forever ruined from being happy without God. If you try to backslide, you're going to be miserable. If you try to go back into sin, you're going to be miserable because your divine purpose has a voice attached to it and that voice will talk to you. While you're sinning, while you're disobeying, while you're doing bad things, the destiny on you, the purpose on you, it'll be talking to you. Don't do that. You shouldn't be behaving like You're better than this. This is not who you are. Don't act like this. Don't allow this to happen. That's the voice of your purpose. Yes. 
that God has attached to your life. So every one of us that's here has a purpose that God has put in our life. It is a divine thing, a divine calling that does not depend on who you are in your past. It does not depend on the mistakes you have made. It depends on what Jesus has done at Calvary on your behalf. You are amazing whether you believe it or not. The great enemy that you are facing is self-pity. Look at two people and say, don't feel sorry for yourself now. Everybody has gone through things in your life. Everybody has had bad things happen. All of us have a history of stories that we can tell of the tragedies of our life. But ask yourself this question, how much self-pity does it take to feel good? Because if you smoke pot, you feel good right away. If you commit an act of, of lust of some sort, there's gratification. Otherwise, people would not do it. If you take cocaine or drugs, there's gratification or you wouldn't do it. But self-pity, you can do it for a week and it still won't feel better. You can do it for two years and you still won't be better. But you've just lost two years of your life feeling sorry for yourself. So today, let's say, no self-pity for me. Raise your hand and tell the people, no self-pity for me. Said, I'm tired of feeling sorry for myself. Said, I'm going to pick myself up because I have a divine purpose and the devil is not going to steal my future like he has stolen my past. Say it to somebody, he's not stealing your future. Ephesians 1.11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his will. You're called to a purpose. How many of you would like to know why you were born? Because to get up in the morning and know that answer and live all day in the purpose of God, which is what we're talking about this morning, is the purpose of God, why you were created, what is the true purpose of your existence? These are questions that you have to answer or you'll never be happy. You'll never truly enjoy your life if you're not functioning in the divine purpose of God because you have self-purpose, the purpose you decide to have for your own life, not the one God has for your life. And there's so much danger in that because all self-purpose is rooted in your ego. And your ego is already assigned a death. So God is at war with your ego. For you to be partners with the dreams and the purposes of your ego is to be at war with God. That's why you can't just say what you want to do. You've got to ask God what He wants you to do. Because you're no longer on your own. You're no longer just creating your own egotistical dreams based on your pride or your vanity. You now have to allow God to assign you a purpose and assign you a dream. Once he does that, it begins to change the way you live your life and the things you experience. And how many of you want to be happy? How many of you husbands and wives don't want to fight anymore? Wouldn't it be nice not to have an argument? How is that possible? Since you really believe that the reason God gave you a husband is to make you happy. It's a mistake. 
Their job is to bring the devil out of you so you can get rid of him. Turn to somebody and say, this is a new gospel. I have never heard this. Oh, I'm going to save your life today. Oh, I'm going to save your life. Because you ladies are not supposed to be the slave of the imperfections of your husband. You're not supposed to cry to yourself to sleep because he forgot your birthday. He's going to do it. He's going to forget your name. You should understand that that man's job is not to be Jesus for you. He is not there to satisfy all the longings of your soul, all the needs of your life. That is a curse, and that is not God's will. It is God's will for you as a woman to be totally happy with Jesus, whether you got a good husband, a bad husband, or no husband. You are supposed to be happy with Jesus, and if you're not, no man can ever bring happiness to you. And it's the same with you as a man. Your wife is not there to be your slave of some sort. She's not going to make you happy. She's not going to act the way you want her to act. She's going to get upset at you. She's going to badger you. She's going to find fault with you. She's going to say, you're, you're an animal. You're, a, you're crazy. You're lazy. Bum. Well, don't scratch yourself all over the house. Don't smell up the building. Come on. Clean up. Take a bath. Do something. Pick up the towel. Change the toilet. These are realities. These are realities. Don't live in a fantasy world where there's no victory and no power. No, you got to live in a world of faith, in a world of wisdom, in a world where your peace cannot be stolen by the human race where your joy cannot be stolen by imperfect mothers-in-laws and imperfect relatives and people who are going to criticize you and find fault with you and they'll never like you, they'll never approve. You can be the nicest person in the whole world and somebody feels it's their job to make you miserable and you've got to decide, no way, I'm tired of being a slave of every person that's got a problem in this world. Make up your mind, I'm done, baby. I'm done, I'm out of that. I'm out of that. You have a purpose. It is a very powerful thing. But for you to reach your destination, you're going to have to go through the process. And some of us aren't willing to do it. We'll do that tonight. And on, on Monday night, we'll get to our destination because that's when the gift night is. That's when you get gifts imparted on Monday night. Your gifts will be released. All of you are supernatural by divine birth. You're all supernatural people with a divine destiny. Because if all you can claim from your life is what you can achieve, then you can take all the credit for it. But if God assigns you a life you cannot be blamed for, it's too amazing and too good, then you know you're living a life beyond yourself. And you're living in the purpose that God assigned for you. Here's pastor, your pastor that you love. A man of God, a great preacher, a great husband, a great father. But he wasn't always these things. He was a drug addict, right? I don't want to sign you something you didn't do. Yeah, he was, he was a drug addict. He had issues of all kinds in his life. He was losing his mind at one point. He had all kinds of things going on. But the day he got saved, God took a divine purpose and attached 
to him to be a pastor and other things as well but to be a pastor well for him to become what he is today he had to submit to the process of becoming yeah. that man and that's not an easy job there's two kinds of people you see a person there they come at you and they offend you and if you're a normal person you let them know what that means to you you tell them you cuss them out you throw fingers at them you you you, you say i want to beat the brains out i'm going to do this I'm, that's a normal person everybody does that Anybody can do that. That's a person with no understanding of who they are and who, what purpose they have. But a person that understands they've got a divine purpose, when they see a person that offends them, they say, ah, when God is ready to change you, he sends someone to offend you. And you go, whoa, what, 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 what did you do? What? Well, that's a different perspective. That's a different perspective. That's the perspective of divine purpose. You understand that your wife is not there to make you happy. She's there to raise you again, possibly. I hope it's not true. I hope you've grown up. I hope your mother raised you. But in most cases, that's not the case. And then if you have a husband and wife who weren't raised, you have two children living as adults. That's going to make for a really bad relationship. Because everybody's a child with childish emotions. So everybody's fighting and arguing and not getting along because everybody's petty and selfish. Purpose, process, and then you reach. You become a lethal weapon in the hands of God. Everybody say, now he's talking about me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Say that to the person next to you. Would you just look at him and say, I know you got $30 in that wallet. Come on. Pass it on. I got to get something out of this service because I'm not getting anything out of this right now. Purpose. You have a purpose for your life. You are not a flea on a dog. You're not worthless because you have lived a worthless life. You are not bad because you have lived a bad life. You are not ugly because you have lived an ugly life. That is your past. You can be amazing if you let God release the potential that he put inside you, which no sin can bury or paralyze if you don't let it. You can rise out of the dungeon... You can rise out of the swamp. You can rise out of the miry clay. You can stand up and say, I am not what I used to be. I will not continue to be that person. I have divinity inside me. And I will rise up and begin to live under the power of the grace of God and the power of God that lives inside me. I am not who my parents are. I am not connected to their DNA. I have a new DNA. I have a new destiny. I am a new creature. I have a new purpose. And I will not be that person. And you can apply that purpose to your marriage, to your work, to your physical health. God has a purpose for each one of those things. So do you, and so does the devil. Praise the Lord. Look at Elvis Presley, a man that was never outside of torment his entire life. 
There wasn't a day he was not tormented by his life because he had been attached to a divine purpose as a child. He got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and got attached to purpose, a divine purpose. And he resisted that purpose and chose his own purpose. And then eventually Satan got in and even did other things to him. And he wrestled with the divine purpose and his own purpose all his life, and it split him in half. Because when you don't choose one or the other, you become a mutant. And you become deformed in some way. And then the God you represent and the God you present to people is also deformed. Praise the Lord. That's why you need to choose the purposes of God for your life. Can you hug two people and say, I believe it. But I still need you to pay me what you owe me. So I don't know what, what's going on here. I, I need $138. Why were you born? Is God done with you? Is God done with you? Or have you reached perfection? Are you the one we should all look to because you glow and people get healed with your shadow? Is there any more work that God has to do on you? But what if you're 60 years old? Is he done with you? What if you're 70? What if you're 80? When does it stop? Does it ever stop? Do the, do the, do the elderly stop bearing fruit because they're 80 years old? Or can they be sweeter like the fiddle? The older the fiddle, the sweeter the sound. And that's how it's supposed to be. The more you sp time you spend with God, the sweeter the music that comes out of your life. If you learn your lessons and walk in the process of becoming a good dad, becoming a good father, a good husband, a good wife, a good mother, you have to go through the process, but you have to first embrace the purpose. Some of you have not embraced God's purpose for your life. That's why you can never be happy. Because there's no blessing in things that are under judgment. There's only blessing in things that are in partnership with the, with the divine will of God for your life. Praise the Lord. Look at three people and say, man. That's it. Just say, man. Give them a high five. Say, man. Woo. When Jeremiah was in his mother's womb, God said, you are a prophet to the nations. He's inside the womb. He hadn't even been born yet. Because when God calls you an apostle or he calls you a pastor or a writer or an author or an entrepreneur or a musician or a missionary or something else, when God calls you whatever, a businessman or a person that can... Uh, create wealth or whatever it is that God calls you to. And in, the, in your mother's womb, he assigned that purpose to you. And when you find that purpose, it begins to grow. And all the provisions of God are connected to your purpose. Once you're in your purpose, God gives you your provision and takes care of the resources you need to become what you're supposed to do. Just like he's doing for this church. 
God is raising up the laborers, the people, you, to build something mighty and powerful here so that on the hill where the barn is, there will be a new sanctuary that thousands of people can come and get saved and healed and delivered and blessed by God. So you can take care of orphans and widows and the poor and bless those that have nothing. Because that is the divine purpose attached to a church. Jesus had a divine purpose. Hebrews 12, he came for a reason. He knew why he was born. He did what he was supposed to do. But he said, it says he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Process. If you embrace the purpose, you can tolerate the process and reach the destination. Some of us can't tolerate anything, so we don't reach anything. And then we become something that we ourselves loathe. Praise God. I want you to hug somebody. Just give them a big hug and say, I just want you to know. If you can't pay my house off, you can pay my car off. Praise the Lord. Come on. Tell them if you can't do the house, let's do the car. Praise God. God is offering Judas... God is offering Judas a purpose every day. Every day, Jesus is offering him a purpose. Judas, every day, purpose. But Judas won't embrace it. He won't embrace it. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. You got, you, this is some kind of game. There's got to be a con in this. Somebody's after something. Can't be pure. Jesus, you can't be pure. I know I saw that person raised from the dead. But that's some kind of magic trick. That's an illusion. I know I just saw you walk on water, but there, there, there has to be some kind of... Because he was twisted. Because to the pure, all things are the pure. To the twisted, all things are twisted. You see like you are. You conclude based on who you are inside. And every conclusion leads you to a destination. You may be unable to function because you're unhealthy but there's a purpose and if you embrace it it'll start changing your health your business may be having problems because there's no vision to it and once you embrace your purpose your vision comes forth then you're able to achieve things you could never achieve on your own you're able to give God glory and say yeah I cleared seven million dollars this year I cleared fifty million dollars this year I'm expecting a hundred million and I gave it all away. I gave $50 million away. I built churches. I took care of widows. I did that. Because when I die, I want to give away more money than I keep. That's divine. Praise the Lord. I want to be able to say there's 100,000 orphans that are no longer orphans because I gave them an education. There's all these widows that didn't die in coal houses without heat. That didn't die in heat because they didn't have any air conditioning. They had everything because we took care of them because that was part of my purpose. It was attached to me from birth, from my new birth. Satan also has a purpose for your life. 
He wants to kill and steal and destroy. Anything that kills is of Satan. Anything that steals is of Satan. Anything that destroys is of Satan. Any aspect of your life that kills, steals, and destroys is of Satan, born of Satan, in partnership with Satan. So when you embrace your divine purpose, it begins to kill the satanic purpose of God that he's tried to put on you as a little child when you were sexually abused, when you were physically uh, tortured and abused, when you were treated like trash as a young girl and you were mocked in school, you were laughed at, you were treated like a prostitute, you were taken advantage of, nobody cared about you, and you began to lose self-respect, dignity, and self-worth, so Satan could say to you, you are no good, you will never be worth anything, now go ahead and serve me, get by the best way you can, because you'll never amount to anything, that is Satan's voice, and God comes to erase that voice, when you embrace his purpose, he knocks out the demonic purpose, the satanic purpose, is destroyed in your life, any day, at any age, at any time, when you decide. It can change today, this morning, right here. This can be the day where things change. Or you can die a drug addict with a Christian suit. You can die a liar with a Christian Bible in your hand. You can, you can die broken, <coughs> wounded, crushed, destroyed, tormented. Or you can embrace the purpose of God. And say, are you telling me, preacher, that God will accept me just the way I am right now and that he will give me a new life and that my past will not have any control over your future? That's exactly what I'm telling you about. Because what you don't understand, this is what happens when you understand process. The worst basket case becomes the most supernatural ministry. Amen. What? What? What did he say? When God heals you or delivers you, it requires divine virtue. The virtue that God put in you to deliver you never leaves you. It remains part of your ministry. Anything you're healed from becomes your ministry. Anything you are delivered from becomes your testimony and becomes your sword. And your wounds become your weapons. Now all the messed up stuff of your life all of a sudden becomes an asset in the hands of God because you don't view your life from the nothing view of self-existence. You view it from the view of destiny and divine purpose and a God that can take any person, no matter how low you have gone, and shift you to the highest pulpits of the world and give you the greatest testimony and the greatest life you can ever imagine. And if your life is normal, it is sinful. You are not to be normal, not one of you. None of you are to be normal and average, not, not any of you. There's no average. There's no average. There's no normal. No, there's only spectacular and amazing and masterpiece. That's all there is. That's who you are. That's the potential in you. God didn't say there's only one great person. The rest of you just listen to that. You're nobodies. You messed up your life. No. No, it's more glorious for God to use no one than to use someone who's already someone without God. That's why the greatest preachers are prostitutes. He that has forgiven much loveth much. 
That's why the people who have come from the darkest places end up changing the world the most. Because they don't forget. They don't forget the hole they came from. They don't forget the pig pen they used to sleep in. And now they sleep in the palaces of kings. And they never forget. That's why there are no celebrities in Christianity. No one is allowed to become a celebrity. We are foot washers. We honor the people's feet who we wash. We don't act that we're better than them or more amazing than them. That's not who we are. That's not Christianity. That's, that's, that's vanity. That's ego. Real Christianity, we wash people's feet and we say, you're better than I am. You're more important than I am. Let me wash your feet. Even if you're a prostitute, even if you're a drug dealer, even if you're a politician, let me wash your feet because you have a future in God. And it's not what you're doing now. It's not who you are now. It's who you can become when the grace of God washes your feet, when the love of God washes your soul, when the love of God cleanses your mind. That's a different kind of gospel, ladies and gentlemen, than this super Christian celebrity bull. Your purpose is why you came this morning. Some of you don't have it, and you need to embrace it. Praise the Lord. Say, wait a minute, you mean what I'm doing? If you're satisfied with what you're doing, then just simply ask yourself what you're doing that is divine. What part of your life is divine and not selfish? What part of your life is not about you and not for you? Because when you start living in the divine purpose, one of the most important things is you no longer live for yourself. You're no longer trying to build your own kingdoms. Everything you do, you do to heal somebody. Even your own business becomes a divine business. When you take the temporal, aim it at the eternal, you end up with the divine. You're a plumber. You take your plumbing business. You say, God, I just used this to make a living, but now I want to use it for your glory. And you aim it at God. And in your plumbing now, there's divine activity. You're not just fixing plumbing. You're also witnessing to the person. You're paying the bill and saying, no charge, ma'am. I know you're a widow. I'll do this for free. There's divine. Now your natural business has become your ministry because you've taken what's natural, aimed it at the eternal, and now turned it into a divine ministry. There's no thing, no place you're at that can't become divine the second you choose to aim it at the eternal. Praise God. No matter where you're at, you can be in prison and have a ministry in prison. You can be in a wheelchair and have a ministry from a wheelchair. There's no place because you have a divine purpose to your life now, and it's not about acquiring your personal wealth. It's about acquiring wealth for other people. And if you don't like that, that's because you're living in your own self-created kingdom. And it's at war with God unless you use it for the glory of God. Praise the Lord. And most of you are not supposed to work for other people. You're supposed to have your own business. It's temporal for you to work for people. Temporal. Don't be a slave all your life. You need your own business. What did you say? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Of course. The most important thing about your business is that you can't do it. I told my friend, uh, oh, he said to me, he said, Ivan, I, I am a 
I am a, billion, a millionaire. I am a millionaire. I have millions of dollars now. He said, there's only one problem. I can't read. And I can't write. God gave me the ideas in my head. And I told them to, to, to my son. And he wrote them all down and did them. And now we're millionaires. Look at five people and say, man, dear Lord. <laughs> and most of you can read and write. He owns chicken businesses, the chicken, like, uh, you know, different chicken places that you drive in and get chicken. They own them all over. Look at two people and say, that's a good business. Maybe we should start that. <laughs> Give somebody a high five and say, you have a purpose. It's divine, and it's supernatural. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Everything about you is supposed to be unexplainable. Everything about you is supposed to be unexplainable. What's your name? Ricky. So here's Ricky. Let's say that when Ricky's born, God attaches a divine purpose to his life to be an apostle. No, a musician. To be a musician. And, and, and to be the kind of musician that when he plays, people get healed of diseases. Amen. Well, in order for that to happen, he's got to go through the process. He can't just go to sleep with that knowledge and say, I have, I'm going to be a divine musician. I'm going to be a psalmist and just lay there day after day, month after month. He's going to have to get a guitar and then he's going to have to practice seven hours a day because that's the process and the anointing flows through the process. Practice changes reality. And so after five years of practicing seven hours a day, there won't be anybody in town that can do what he can do. The anointing can now come on that and start healing people because he just changed his reality because he accepted the process attached to his divine purpose. And now he's going to reach his destination when he's a dead man. He's going to be able to say thousands of people have been healed because I just took what God gave me, the little bit he gave me, and for seven hours a day I just practiced with the Holy Ghost on me. And then the anointing started flowing through that because I embraced my purpose. I then surrendered to my process and then I reached my destination that I was created to reach. Jesus said this, Mark 138. It's, it's 1130. Give me a couple more minutes. And he saith unto them, Let us go elsewhere into the new towns, that I may preach there also, for this is the purpose for which I came. Why were you born? Are you living for yourself? Are you like every other person on earth, just trying to scratch out a living? Are you happy with what you're doing? Are you content? Is there a hole in your soul? Is there something missing? Because only divine purpose can fill that hole. You're just not created to be happy without divinity operating inside you. You are called to heal people. You are called to be a medicine. You are called to be a walking hospital whether it's through plumbing or whether it's through hunting or whether it's through painting or whether it's through preaching or whether it's through business, whatever it is, God places himself inside 
of your purpose. And He does what He is through you. Praise the Lord. Tonight we're going to have healings and deliverances and all kinds of amazing things. On Monday night, the same. We'll learn the process tonight and then the destination on Monday night. But you've got to make the choice. You've got to cross the bridge. You've got to decide if you're going to die just the way you are and not see anything in your life that can be attached to something divine. Because you weren't created for that. No matter what age you are, it's never too late to start. Would you look at the person next to you and say, it's never too late to make your first payment? Say it. Come on, make your first payment. $22. I'll start with that. Pay me what you owe me. $22. Come on. Give them a high five. Say, man, I got my money this morning. Praise the Lord. It's a great service. Purpose. You as a purpose father or a purpose mother can now give your children purpose from a little age. Because if you raise children that have no divine purpose, Satan will be glad to volunteer his purpose for their life. That's right. If you do not give your children a divine purpose, then they will have to find it on their own from their friends who probably don't love God and serve God. And then you will not actually be the parent. You will just be the one that pays the bills. They will be mentored and parented by their friends because a child always rotates to that which he loves the most. And if he loves you the most, he'll do what you say and believe what you say. But if he loves his friends more and can bond with them quicker, they will mentor him in darkness and destruction. That's why if you love your children, you won't just exist. You'll say, wait a second. I need to find God's divine purpose for my life and what I'm doing. And then I've got to find the process. I'm gonna... What's the process of becoming a good husband, for example? Think about that. Hardly any man gets married and knows what he's doing. And if you did think you knew what you were doing, it doesn't take but about a month to be convinced by your wife that you don't know what you're doing. Am I telling the truth? Because a man thinks that who he is and how he looks and everything is going to be all that your wife needs. That's like for a week. That's like for a week. After a week, she wants to talk and have conversations. And you're not going to know how to do that. She's going to want you to discern her problems and give her answers without her telling you what the problem is. Because that's what people who know each other do. That's what she's going to say. If you really love me, I wouldn't have to tell you anything. You would just know it. And then the man's going to get scared. He's going to be scared to come home because he's expected to be a prophet an apostle, a preacher, a teacher, a lover, everything. And he's supposed to know on which day to do all those things because it's got to be, it's not all the same day. It's all changes as time goes on. You know, Monday is Tarzan day, but only one week at a time. The next week, is, you get slapped. What are you doing, you animal? Let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Let's bond. Let's share. Let's read a book. What? What? You, 
<laughs> you, know, you know what? I, what, does, what does a beast of a man know about? Let, let's read a book. Let's read a book. What do you mean, let's read a book? <laughs> let's read a book? Where's that? I, where, where's that in marriage? Let's take a walk. Let's talk. You talk and me listen for three hours. And the whole time you talk, I have to make sure that you feel like I'm connected. I'm connected to what you're saying, even though you're jumping from subject to subject to subject to subject and not making any. You don't even know yourself what you want, but you want me to know what you want. I'm supposed to know what the blankety blank do you want, woman? Dear God, make up your mind. Do you see that there is a process to becoming that kind of a man, that kind of a husband? It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen natural or quickly. It's going to take time. You're going to have to listen to her and say, What did you say? And you're going to have to learn to decipher that language. When she says no, she doesn't always mean no. No could actually mean yes. Or no could mean maybe. Or no could mean no. Or no could mean it's really yes, only if you pursue me. Well, I reject you, then it's yes. But if you don't pursue me, then it's just no. You got to know all those no's. That takes time. When she's silent, that doesn't just mean one thing. Oh my gosh, that's so many different things. You're being silent. That could mean I'm in trouble. They're in trouble. You're in trouble. Nobody's in trouble. You're on drugs. You got to know all those things. Purpose, process, destination. It's not over for you if you don't want it to be. You don't have to keep living like you're living. You don't have to experience what you're experiencing. It can stop. It can stop right away, today. It can be over with. Things can start getting better right now. Really, really can. But you're going to have to decide what you want. Are you going to be that kind of person that is a slothful servant and takes the talents that God has given you and buries them in the ground? and says, God, I knew you were very, very like hard and legal and exacting, so I just kept it safe. I didn't do anything with it. And I was unhappy my whole life. Or are you going to be the person that God is going to say, yes, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Who are you going to be as a woman, as a wife, as a mother? As a husband, as a single man, a single woman, purpose changes the way you view everything. And process changes who you are and makes you a lethal weapon. Praise God. You don't even know what your children are meant for. There are no Christian children that are not geniuses. Not one. There's not one single child that's born to a born-again Christian that is not a genius. Every child you have is a genius in some area. 
And it's your, your job as a parent to locate that and develop it. Because they have the Spirit of God in them because they belong to you and are born to the house of a priest. Praise the Lord. Look at somebody and say, man, I like this kind of preaching. Praise God. Turn to somebody and say, you don't even have to pay me till tomorrow. Praise God. <laughs> I feel mercy. Now, close your eyes for a minute. You, we close our eyes not because we're religious. We close our eyes because we're private. And our relationship with God is a private one. I pray and I close my eyes and I put my hands over my eyes when I'm in a crowd because it makes me feel alone with God. It's a very personal thing. And I want you to do that. I want you to close off everyone else and close your eyes for a minute. Put on my music. Close your eyes for a minute. And believe me, tonight at 6, when we learn about process, it's going to change your life. You've never heard anything like it, and it's going to change your life. But every time you go to church, God presents you a bridge to cross, and you must decide if you want to cross it or not. one life to live and God wants you to live it the happiest you can you are good and your love endures and I want you to think about yourself right now what's going on in your life think about your family you are good think about your children and your love if you're single think about forever. your future wife or husband or children your mercy knows no every choice creates a harvest You will die someday. And you've lived long enough to know that there are people who have gone ahead of you. Some have died as infants, some as children, some as teenagers, some as, as middle-aged people, and some as adults. Nobody knows when they will die. But in order for you to embrace your purpose, you have to cross the bridge from a meaningless life to a life of purpose. Meaningless doesn't mean that what you're doing is not meaningful. It just means that it's not attached to divine things. It has to mean something to God and eternity. I can feed a child and let him go. Or I can feed a child, give him Jesus, and let him go. I've not only given, given him food, but I've changed his destiny forever. You sit there thinking, are you 100% sure that if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven? Can you say, I have no doubt whatsoever, Ivan, that if I died today, I would go to heaven? Because you cannot walk this life and not know and not be at peace inside yourself about heaven. I would be terrified to go to bed at night and not know if I was going to go to heaven. My question to you is if you want to change that and you want God to put that peace in your heart, 
you're going to have to cross the bridge. It's simple. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do right where you're sitting. If you say, Ivan, I want that peace in my life. I want to know 100% that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I have to have that. All I want you to do where you're sitting is to simply lift your hand high enough for me to see. I'm going to pray for you. And then God is going to do his miracle and stretch it up high without any shame. I see your hands there and 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 there. And you're stretching your hands out. You're saying, I know this was the purpose why I came this morning. You lifted your hands. You're not going to make a change. Now, if you did lift your hands, would you stand up so I can pray for you? Just stand right where you're at and let me pray for you if you lifted your hand. Just stand to your feet. And let's keep playing that song and let's just have a change, a crossing of the bridge in our lives. That's very powerful. You're standing. You're saying, I'm doing this. Things are going to change. I want my future to change. Just put the same song on again. Things are changing. I just believe that this is a destiny day for me. All of you that are standing, could, I look, could you look at me for one second? May I have the privilege of praying for you? May I have your permission to do it? Could you wave your hand if, if that's okay? Would you do this favor for me? I won't embarrass you. I won't make you say anything to anybody. But could you come up here to the front where I can look in your eyes when I pray for you? Just walk up here. And would you give them a hand as they come up here? Just, just come up here to the front. All across there. Come on up here. And you ought to clap like your mama's coming up here. That's somebody's mama's up here, somebody's dad, somebody's son, somebody's daughter. We don't even know how many years of prayer have gone into some of these people's lives. That's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people that somebody cares about. Somebody cares about these people. We have two types of people here. We have those that are saved and have doubts and those that have never crossed the bridge. This will be the first crossing for them. And there's still some of you left. And I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you to help me. I think there's about seven more people that belong up here. But you didn't come forward. You didn't raise your hand. So here's what I want to do. If you all can show a little compassion to the people around you, ask them a question. Are you 100% sure you're going to heaven when you die? Would you ask that to everybody around you? And if they say, I don't know, would you offer to walk up here with them? Just say, I'll walk up there with you if you don't want to go by yourself. But if you can get up by yourself, you ought to just walk up here by yourself and say, look, God is calling me to cross the bridge. God is calling me to cross the bridge. I got to make a decision. I got to make a decision 
to change my future. I got to make a decision to change my future. Change my future. Why do we come to church, ladies and gentlemen of the jury? We don't come to church to play religion or to just fulfill a, a, a guilty conscience. We come to church because people need God. They need help. They need miracles. They need a living God, not a dead one. They need somebody that does miracles, that opens the eyes of the blind and heals and restores. So I want to mention these things to all of you that came. This can be the most defining moment of your life. And here's how it works. If you have ever asked anybody to forgive you, how many have done that? And they said, I do forgive you. And then you, you do something else after that. And instead of not bringing up the past, they bring up the last 20 years that they were supposed to have forgiven you from and, 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 and beat you up with it. Because people don't really know how to forgive and forget. They know how to say it at the moment, I forgive you. But then if you do it again, boom. I mean, in like five seconds, they can recite 40 years of failure. That's the way humans are. But God is not like that. When God forgives, He forgets. He says, I will forget your sins. I will forget your failures. Everything you have ever done that you are ashamed of, that you feel guilty about, that you don't want anybody to know, is not just going to be forgiven. It's going to be erased. And for this, for this moment right now, for this moment of time, even though we're all staring at you, for this moment of time, let your armor down. I don't have an agenda. I don't want anything. The Holy Spirit is drawing you out of that darkness. And you're going to have to do two hard things. You're going to have to forgive the people that have hurt you throughout your life. And the harder, hardest thing of all you're going to have to do You've got to forgive yourself. Give yourself a break. Nobody else will. Give yourself a break. Forgive yourself. Just forgive yourself. It's the only way to get healed. It's the only way to get better. If you pay for your sins, you take away from Jesus his right to be your savior. You cannot pay for your sins. You must accept his mercy and forgiveness and let him wash away all of that. And he will do it. Before I go on, is there anybody else that wants to come forward? Anybody else that wants to come forward? I feel three more people. You're still out there, three of you. And I'm just going to wait for a little bit to see if you know it's you. I don't have to convince you. You know it's you. You say, man, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. That's you. And God's making me wait because you matter. That's the value you have to God. You matter to God. Walking up here, you may think, is not important, but it is. Because Jesus said something. If you're ashamed of me in front of people, I will be ashamed of you in front of my Father. These people just hired their lawyer. And their lawyer doesn't lose because he's related to the judge. As a matter of fact, the lawyer is the judge. So I want you this 
this morning, I want you this morning to think about it while I wait for you. I'm going to wait for you for just a little bit. Say, oh, Lord, man, I'm getting under pressure now. You know, you don't have to say yes if you don't want to. But it's not wise. It's smart to get rid of all that shame and guilt and get a new start. Nobody wants anything from you except for you to be happy. Praise the Lord. Would you stand up now and come forward? There's at least three of you. Would you come forward? I just want to wait for you. I just want to wait for you. Pick one of these people. Stretch your hands out and pick one of these people and, and pray for that one person. Not in general, but pick one. Just pick one. And then you, would you guys pray with me out loud? Mean this prayer. Mean this prayer. Say, Jesus, I'm asking you to save my life. I'm asking you to save my future. I don't deserve it. I've done a lot of bad things. But I truly need forgiveness. I need a new start to my life. I turn my back on the devil. On the devil's plan. And on my own plans. And I surrender to your purpose for my life. Come and live in my heart. Stay there forever. Destroy all my doubts about heaven. I now forgive. All the people. That have betrayed me, abused me, and used me in my life. I let them go. I will not hate them, and I will no longer be their slave. I now forgive myself. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me white as snow. And forget all that I have done. And give me a new beginning. I now declare... That I am yours. I am clean. I am forgiven. And I have a new future. Now say these words with me. I am not guilty. Say it again. I am not guilty. I'm going to go to heaven. When I die. All right. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Where are they going when they die? Where are you going when you die? Because he paid the price. You could not pay. He paid the debt. You could not pay. And he also will give you the power to become who you cannot become. He will make you what you cannot make yourself. Praise the Lord. Give a hug to the people around you. And let's thank God. Pastor wants to say something. If we could just take a moment of your time. Pastor Vince, would you just step forward just a little bit? This is Pastor Vince Vince, and he's part of my staff. We want to take just three minutes of your time. Y'all just do that. You're up front here. Would you look at me for a moment? If you're, if you're right up front, we're just going to take about three minutes, all right? It won't be long. You'll come right back in this service. Would you just go with Pastor Vince and the team out there? Just follow right Yeah, down just this. walk right down Pastor this middle Karen, aisle. They're going to give you please. something. And then come right back. Praise Put the your Lord. hands together for them, won't you?
Come on, put your hands together. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. People get right with God. Come on. You may be seated. We're going to bring you right back in, guys, in just about three minutes. Brother Ivan. Praise the Lord. Now, before we let you go, I want to pray for you. Because we did talk about purpose. Remember that the day these people just made a decision and a purpose of heaven was just attached to their life. You have already made that purpose, so that purpose is attached to your life. It's working on you. You're either resisting it or you're cooperating with it. And if you're resisting it, you, you, you have turmoil inside. There's no peace. There can never be peace. Because divinity cannot dwell with something that is not and has no value. It's going to fight it. You know you're better than what's going on, and you know you can have a better life than what you're experiencing. You know your marriage can be better. And you don't want to raise children that are slaves. You don't want your children to be slaves to anybody or anything at all. So I'm going to pray for you. Tonight is the process. You're going to be tempted to stay home because of football. <laughs> or foodball. Or sleepball. Don't do it. We got three services. Process is the most important part. Because that's... If you can, if you can, if you can endure the process, you will reach the destination. And I don't know about you, but I really want to stand before God knowing I did what He called me to do. Praise the Lord. And it's not too late. So, let me pray for you now. Lift your right hand up in the air like you're making contact with God. I break all the curses over your life. I break all the failure that has been passed down in your genetic pool and ask God to deliver you from the tendencies of destruction that you are attracted to. And I ask God to cover you in a cloak of, of worthiness and celebration. God does not condemn you. He celebrates you. You need to be cherished and you need to be celebrated. You do not need to be condemned and attacked. You do not to be, need to be found fault with. You've had enough abuse. In the house of God, you get mended, restored, and healed. Let him do it this week. Three services, let him do it. Let him loose your gifts in your life on Monday night. And let him teach you how to embrace the process. How valuable it is to know the process. Praise the Lord. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I bless you that all your debts will be paid off that you will not be poor in any area of your life. You will have, your soul will be rich. In Jesus' name. We have an orphanage in Guatemala. We also have a, a 1,500 kids in Africa that we take care of. All of you are welcome to come with us. We go every month. We take teams of about 120 people. And we're building, we take care of these kids. And what we do is we take them in from sex slavery, abandonment, and torture 
They give them the, sh the children. We take them, and we raise them, and we have a, a, a school, and then we have a medical clinic, and we have uh, about 30 acres up on the top of a mountain, and we take these kids through college and graduate school. So the purpose of our orphanages is high education. So every child we have will either be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that because we're not giving them the option to be nothing. We're telling them you can be anything you want. And so this year we have 15 people, 15 kids in, in graduate school right now. Med school, third year medical school, fourth year medical school. Wow. We have surgeons, we have, we have uh, architects, we have lawyers, we have, we have all that right now and they all came from the dump but when you tell a person you are not what you've lived you are what you choose and once you choose a different destiny God gets involved with your choice because he he will not force you to do anything you have to choose it amen, amen. Praise the Lord. So whatever offering you give to us, we're buying a new piece of property, but I already raised the, all the money for it last week, 146000 bucks for eight acres. Can you imagine? Eight acres for 100 That's a lot of money. Guatemala's expensive, but we got all that money. Uh, we need a well that we're going to put on that. That's seven grand. So if any of you want to do that for us, great. If you don't, praise the Lord. No worries. Uh, either way, we'll get the money sooner or later. So if you want to be contributors, thank you. If you don't, keep your money. Whatever you want to do. I trust God. Praise the Lord. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Here's the pastor. Amen. Thank you. Come on, put your hands together for Ivan Tate. For those of you that just uh, received the Lord or recommitted and just, uh, we have a little gift for you, a little Bible study, that kind of thing. If you'd just see Pastor Vince or one of our ushers or, or connect people, one of our leaders out there in the lobby on your way out, they'll bless you with that. Let's go ahead and bless our guest tonight, today. Take an offering for his ministry. Amen. He's got orphanages in Africa as well as in Guatemala. And uh, your seed today, your gift today will go towards the ministry of Ivan Tate into those orphanages. And it's a tremendous, tremendous Amen. ministry. Maybe you'll share a little bit about that tonight. Brother Ivan, praise God. Wonderful. Making out a check, make it out to KC and we'll send him on one check. Sponsors over ten thousand dollar farm show. I don't maybe 
about 10 grand. And it's been all donated to the cause. And so you'll hear the advertising on radio all this week and see the posters. An art sports center on the 31st, 5.30 to 8. At 8 o'clock, the fireworks show goes off. And we have a meeting. If you want to help us with that, you come 5 o'clock right here. Let's, let's pray for uh, Ivan Tate, What Matters Ministry. Let's pray for that. Father, thank you so much for the orphanages in, in Guatemala, Lord, oh, how you have uh, used him tremendously to raise up even leaders there as well as in Africa. We pray that the, the offering that's given now would be multiplied many, many times over his ministry as well as to the, the gift and the giver. God bless your people as they give now. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, amen. Stand up on your feet. Our 11 o'clock service will start at 11 o'clock. Get blessed. Don't miss tonight, 6 o'clock. He'll be preaching. Amen. Monday night at 7. Take someone by the hand. Won't you? Father, we thank you. God bless you. We'll see you tonight.